Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast, where we tell the true stories of the vaccine injured that many don't want to hear. These are real people sharing real experiences, uncensored and unsanitized. Listen and learn with us as we tell the stories that have yet to be heard by those who've been discarded. No preaching, no propaganda, and no judgments, just the truth. Hello and welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. My name is Jared St. Clair. I am your host and I am uh, excited to bring you another story uh, that I believe you need to hear. I have had the pleasure of getting to know my next guest uh, over the last 20 or 30 minutes as we've uh, talked a little bit to get a little bit of her backstory and, and understand how we're recording the show and all that. And I can already tell you that she's got an amazing spirit to her. I think you're really going to enjoy listening to her. As I say on Dearly Discarded Podcast, uh, this these are never fun stories to hear. But what I love about so many of the people that I've had on this show is the... Re- incredible resilience and the beauty of the soul inside of the individual uh, that we're talking to. And if you'll hold on to that and feel the humanity of, uh, of what we're talking about, uh, I believe that it can um, embolden you. I believe it can enrich you, uh, even though the content of the story is oftentimes a little bit challenging to hear. Uh, Dearly Discarded Podcast, of course, is always brought to you by React19. You can find React19 at their website, react19.org, which is always linked in the show description of the podcast. If you're listening to this as a podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever, and you would like to see video uh, of this episode, it will also be on Rumble uh, under the React 19 uh, link there, which uh, is, or the React 19 page, dearly discarded page um, on Rumble, which of course is also linked uh, in the show description. So without further ado, I'll welcome my next guest. Her name is Elizabeth Tucker. Elizabeth, welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. Thank you. And um, I really appreciate you doing this and helping others um, understand a little bit about what we're all facing. It's well, really grateful. As I've said before, it's uh, it's not the most fun. Uh, I wouldn't classify it as the most fun podcast that I get to do of the two podcasts that I do, but I think it's an incredibly important podcast, and I love to get uh, your stories out there. And, uh, and I just am always enriched at the end of one of these episodes uh, by the uh, – the person telling the story uh, more so than the story itself. So I'm excited to have you on and I'll go ahead and start with just asking you uh, what, tell us a little bit about yourself prior to uh, COVID-19 and the vaccination program. Um, So first and foremost, I'm a mom um, of two crazy, kooky, adventurous kids. Um, But then I've also been doing mission work and I was a personal trainer before this. And then um, also had a apothecary I was running. So helping people on many levels has always been my calling. My heart's always been called to it. So before this, we were kind of all over the place. Like we're really active. Um, 
Like there'd be days where I was stressed. Like I went out and trained a bunch of people and helped with school or whatever. And then I would just go get a kayak, go get a kayak and load up because there's a river uh, through the woods behind our house. And we'd go do like 11, 12 mile kayak just to relax. Um, went and climbed mountains, hiked, biked, skated. Um, we're kind of that one that you'll see if you drive by, like we're out in the yard grilling, cutting up. Um, if it's raining, you may see us out there literally having like a mud fight, um, playing <laughs> in the rain. Um, or like you come out the door and like when we have had snow, if you're coming out the door, like I'd be the one that would nail you with a snowball or like we have nerf, <laughs> um, nerf gun fights. We've even had it where we've been in different cars, me and my husband, and we're going to meet at Baskin Robbins actually like about a month before this happened to me. And we normally keep Nerf guns in the vehicles because we're kind of like big kids in that matter. Um, and so he goes to get out and I'm already out and I just started nailing him with the Nerf gun. And um, it was hilarious and fun. Um, and so, yeah, like I'm just kind of that active person that some people would look at and they're like oh you make me exhausted because how much you do but um I love what I did I love being involved and I love getting to go on bike rides um most of the time after I would take my daughter to school I'd get on my bike and I'd actually ride to the school which is about six miles down and then I'd ride the other way down to the boat ramp and so it'd be about four mile bike ride I would do in the morning I loved it. It was peaceful. Um, I could get on calls with people, like new clients, and discuss things with them, um, or even life coach people while I'm doing it. And I loved it. I love being active and doing things. Um, so that that was was your life. And sorry, yeah. did you? How many kids did you say you had? I have two. Two. Okay. And how old are they? Yeah. Um, my son's 20 and then my daughter's 15. Okay. So most people are listening to this, not watching it. Probably you don't look old enough to have a 20 year old uh, son. So I was thinking much <laughs> younger. You. Um, I'm, I know I'm older than you and I, but I've got a 10 year old as my youngest and we're Nerf warriors as well. So I can certainly relate to that. We have an arsenal of Nerf guns in the house. And so we have a lot of fun with that. Um, in fact, you just inspired me the next time I see him, I'm going to have a Nerf gun in the car and roll down the window and, uh, take advantage it's fun. We've of that done it at, we've done i've done it in the car line too like where i know the teachers and stuff and i'm picking up not just my kid but like their friends and stuff mm -hmm. i've actually had it where i've been in the passenger seat and my husband was driving so i come up on them and they were talking smack at school like i sent messages come out there don't get us so i rolled up and i got like one that has an automatic little spinner piece uh -huh. on it and just started like shooting them and it was hilarious. We didn't get in trouble, but, uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was hilarious. I love it when the you parents are concerned, life. the parents are concerned about getting in trouble at school. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, you're from the South somewhere, <laughs> I assume based on the accent. Um, yeah, I live in Mississippi. Okay. So I was once married to a girl from Mississippi and I was wondering, cause it sounds, uh, that's a very familiar accent to me. So it's, it's beautiful. Um, all right. So since, uh, when were you actually, well, let me ask you this first in terms of mindset, COVID comes along, 
you're clearly yeah. someone who's very um, passionate about, you know, kind of taking care of your fellow man, uh, looking out for uh, for people uh, through your missionary work and your apothecary work and things like that. What was your mindset going into COVID and, and COVID vaccines? So actually, when we're when I'm hearing about like all the shutdowns, um, we actually traveled during all the shutdowns. Just like, you know, never caught COVID. Um, and we, I still went out and helped people. Um, I didn't really wear a mask. Um, I actually was very nervous for a lot of people. There was a lot of families that I knew were already struggling that I'd been helping. So I'll give a little feedback of this. So I don't believe that you need to go on social media and take a picture because you just want to help somebody or video record it. I decide to stop on the side of the road and go feed somebody. I don't need to, like, I don't feel the need to do that. Um, I feel like if you're called to it, something you just do. Um, so when I started hearing about all this, I was actually was coming back into the country from a mission trip and we were at, we had huge holdups at the airport and that was, um, December 2020, I, you started, you know, you're hearing things about possible different things going on with the virus and stuff. So I was hearing all different things. And so it's making me kind of nervous, not for me, but for families I knew that were struggling. So I started reaching out to some people when I started hearing that there's possibly going to be a shutdown, trying to get it. Could we get people together to can food? Um, and get people to donate food so we could can a bunch of stuff and go give it out to families so they would have it. Um, and that was kind of my mindset is I was more worried about other people. How can we help them? I don't want these kids who have now been getting help not to have food. I mean, they were already experiencing not having food and now they're finally getting food. And if it shuts down a lot of these places that they're getting from, they weren't going to be able to get it from. And that was heartbreaking to me. And that was where my mind initially went to was, I don't want these babies to suffer. And so then we were doing that. And then it got to a point where it was harder to get food and stuff like that. And um, uh, so we started just pulling out of our savings and buying things for people because we couldn't get them food and people weren't. You know, there was all these restrictions and everybody wasn't wanting to help. And so we started pulling out and helping them because we knew if we didn't do it, these people weren't going to eat and mm. they want their bills won't be paid. And it helped a lot. It, it did. And we had our bills were being paid. We had food and, you know, that's what we needed. And um, we still went out and visited with people. We still had people here and um still went about and did things as much as we could even with lockdown and restrictions because some people just cannot function without having other people there to talk to or see that human interaction mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that it's hard for them i'm i'm a person that i can deal with time alone and it's okay it, do, it doesn't bother me but i have a really strong mindset um, and so I'm comfortable in silence. I'm comfortable not always having to be around people, but I, there was a lot of people I knew that we were helping that they weren't, they truly in their journey were needing that. 
they needed yeah. that person to hug them and embrace them. And so it was really hurting me knowing that these people were going to like suffer a lot. Um, and I was happy I could help as much as I could. Like I was thankful that I could. Yeah, well, obviously you were in a, a, a good um, a good mindset starting out and trying to, uh, you know, there these things happen, these challenges happen in life, and, and nobody can say that they escaped COVID without some significant uh, shifts in, you know, how their life went, right? Uh, yeah. And I, I often uh, say, in fact, I was just on my other podcast uh, yesterday talking uh, to someone about the blessings that I received largely due to what happened with COVID, some of the great friendships that I've been able to uh, gain that I didn't have prior to that, uh, in, including with some of the amazing people at React 19, like Bree Dressen and, and many others. It's it's an interesting thing because these challenges can, we, we can use them to build ourselves up. We can use them to tear ourselves down. And to a large yeah. degree, that's up to us. Um, unfortunately, uh, in the in your case and in the case of, of all the other people that I've interviewed on this uh, show, the challenges were significantly larger than what most of us faced uh, during COVID. Um, when the vaccine rollout occurred, um, well, first off, when were you vaccinated? November 4th of 2021. November of 2021. So a good seven, eight months after after everything was kind of rolled out to, to most people. Um, and which uh, brand of vaccine? The, a Pfizer. Pfizer. Okay. And your reaction was uh, after one or two injections? No, I only had one shot. And within 15 okay. minutes, I was having started having a reaction. What uh, prior to going into what your reaction looked like, um, why did you decide to get the shot? So in, in order to continue doing what I've been called to and what I love to do, continue doing mission work and going overseas, you had to have the vaccine. Like, I didn't have to have it to go train Because people. of traveling for that, right? For the missionary work? Yep. Um, okay. it, it was required. You had to have it to continue doing mission work, and you had to have it to go overseas as well. And so I went ahead and got the vaccine because I actually was scheduled on trips. We'd all discussed it, and things had come. Lockdowns were pretty much over, and we'd all discussed it, and we were going back to start picking up mission work that was already planned before and get back into these countries where we're helping and building stuff. Um, and so everybody had to, you either had to get your vaccine or you couldn't go and do the work and you couldn't go also out of the, you know, to other countries without it too. So, so it's more because of, of a mandate than it was a, a feel, a, a feeling that you actually needed the vaccine. Is that so? Oh yeah. To say? No, okay. I didn't, I didn't, I had no, no reason to get the vaccine. I traveled during lockdown, never once got sick, never once caught it. I was around people that had it. Um, we went through all different states and never once caught it. Okay. Yeah. Just, I'm always curious what the mindset is going in. It's different for everybody. And of course, I'm sure there's all kinds of second guessing that occurs, you know, after reaction, like what you've had. So what was your reaction like? You said 15 minutes after the first jab, uh, you started reacting. Yeah. What happened? So I think on, I think on my card, um, I think it was, says it was like 13 minutes. I think that's what she wrote down. Okay. Um, it's like all on video. It actually happened at a CVS. Um, 
So me and my, I'm glad. So I'll tell you what happened. So I actually trained clients that morning and I was just going to go by myself and go ahead and drive by myself since I was actually in town and go get the vaccine to have my husband meet me um, because he was getting his, his was mandated as well for his job. And something told me to not to do that. And we'd already planned that I had no clients the rest of the day. And so we were going to go kayaking. Um, and he had missed our anniversary, was back in. So part of our anniversary thing was kicking off with us going to go kayaking, have a picnic out there and everything. Well, I came home, changed out my workout gear, got a shower and all that. And we left and went there together. I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful I did. Um, so we got there and there's a whole bunch of people. And we'd schedule our appointment. And when I got the shot, I didn't think about this until I had a bunch of people talk to me and everything. I ended up getting a taste in my mouth, kind of like you do when you get your IV and they flush it. You kind of have that taste that comes through your mouth. I didn't think about it. I had a taste go through my mouth. And I didn't think anything about it, which means they actually hit, you know, vein artery when they gave me the vaccine. Um, so it makes everything 10 times worse. Well, they gave it to us and we had to sit there. And so we're sitting there. I'm feeling perfectly fine. And then my daughter had called from school and she was saying her allergies were up. She's sneezing a lot. So we got up because we're right at the pharmacy to go grab look at allergy medicine and go grab some. And so we walk over there and we're standing there and we grab it. And then we're going to go over back to the pharmacy right there and check out. Cause as long as they can see you, you're okay. They, we'd ask them. It's like, yeah, as long as you're right here, you're good. Um, so I turn and we start to go back to the car search. I take like three steps and I grab his arm because I just like felt hit and was like, like I, was lightheaded and dizzy all of a sudden I like grabbed him and like grabbing onto his shirt and I just feel lightheaded and dizzy like I'm about to fall and so I was like Tim I was like I don't feel good something's the matter and I was like I feel like I might pass out and so he helps me walking over to the seat and then there was like five military guys right there and one of the guys was like is your wife okay and he's like no and so he goes and gets the lady who did our vaccine and she comes over and I'm calm. And yes, I'm not super calm person. Anyways, she's freaking out, freaking out. She is like all freaked out and everybody's trying to tell her to calm down. Um, one of the other hmm. ladies comes over and I'm sitting here and I'm feeling like I'm going to pass out and my heart rate is just steadily climbing, just climbing. And I can feel my blood pressure just rising up. I'm getting bad pressure in my head, bad pain. My vision's starting to go blurry. I'm starting to feel short-winded. And I start losing feeling in my legs. Like I start shaking. Um, kind of like you're having a seizure. I start shaking. And I, I'm sitting here saying, I, 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 can't feel my, I can't feel part of my legs. And I'm still calm. And we're checking my blood pressure. And my blood pressure is like in stroke level. My heart rate, when they checked it right then, was like 187. And um, it just keeps getting worse now. And then I start feeling like my chest is being, like, literally like it's in a vice grip. Um, 
and I'm having a hard time, like my vision, I'm having a hard time seeing like everything's like double vision, blurry. Mm. And by this time they've already contacted the ambulance. And one of the people are, is telling us that there's an ambulance right next door coming across, um, which was great. So they come in and they try to even stand me up and I can't, like I couldn't, and I couldn't feel my legs at all by this time. Like I couldn't feel them. So they're like trying to just to try to stand me up to get me onto the stretcher because where I'm at, it's in a really hard angle. And, um, I literally, they go to stand me up and I just go down because I, I couldn't feel my legs and I couldn't even stand on them. And then it just kept going worse from there. Like I got in the ambulance and they're trying to talk to me and I start sounding like I'm drunk and slurring and couldn't put words together. And it just kept going from there. And I was thankful there was an ambulance right there. And so they got me and took me straight to the hospital and thankfully they did because it just kept going downhill. Wow. So you are in an interesting position uh, in that, you know, they, they basically at that point, uh, as, as I recall, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, they were essentially kind of monitoring people for 20 minutes or so after the shot, just to make sure everything was cool. Yeah. And in most cases, everything seemed to be okay, right? For the vast majority of people within that first 20 minutes or so. Um, most of the people that I've interviewed, their reaction was later that day. It was the next day. It was a week or two later. It was after the second shot, you know, things like that. Yours was yeah. quite immediate. Now I've interviewed some other people who have been very immediate as well. Um, but uh, as such, you're in a, a, a bit of a unique position because it, there's no way I think that anybody could say, well, it didn't, the shot had nothing to do with it. Whereas in many yeah. cases, that's been what people have been told. Well, the shot had nothing to do with it. It's a coincidence, whatever. So when you got to the hospital, um, what, what was their reaction? What, what were they uh, telling you and, and how were they treating you at that point? Um, so when I got there, they pretty much were trying to hurry up and put, hook me up for my heart and everything. Get that monitor was the main thing at the moment was my heart. Um, I actually had, it's kind of crazy because it was slam packed. There was actually people out in stretchers all over the place. I remembered because they were trying to maneuver me through stuff and I could hear people and the nurse was like, um, she thought they were bringing in another patient. They were like, well, you're just going to put her over here. And then they were like, no, we're not. And, um, they pretty much kind of fussed. And then the guy, another guy that was actually from the fire department followed us. And he said, no, we called this in. Y'all are supposed to have a room ready for her because of what's going on. And he gave my name and she was like, oh my God, yes. And like, show them where to go and everything. And they hooked me up to all this stuff. But then, at, but then after being there for a while, it was kind of like, I really didn't see anybody. And or like I was hooked up to stuff, but I really didn't see anybody, really didn't hear anybody. Um, you could hear all these patients. Um, and there was just doctors all over the place and nurses all over the place. So I was kind of just back there, me and my husband. And um, you can hear all these different patients and you can hear nurses and you can see people running around like chicken with their head chopped off, um, frantic and crazy. Um, and so we're just kind of sitting back there at this point, like, what is going on? We're not really getting anywhere at this point. And 
we have one person to come in who we've never seen. He was like, um, I, th- I think we're going to be discharging you, but I'm not for sure. And then he calls us by somebody else's name. And my husband was like, we're not even that person. And he was like, um, I thought she was supposed to be getting a CT or MRI is what we were told. And that still hasn't happened. And then he was confused. There you had patient stuff all wrong and all wrong rooms. Not for sure who was where. He just kind of word vomited and like propped up against the counter and was word vomited kind of everything that was going on. You could tell he was super stressed. Um, and he was a nurse practitioner and he was just kind of let everything out what was going on and then um, took a breather and I kind of walked him through to kind of calm himself down. He was kind of shocked by that and was like, you're calming me down and you're the one in all this distress. He was like, I can't believe it. And we kind of talked for a few minutes. Um, and he was like, has she been drinking before? And he was like, no, she was great before this, just train people and all this. And they were kind of talking. And then after that, like he made sure he went out there and got everything moving again. And then so within less than five minutes, there was like five different doctors in my room. Mm. And they're like, we were waiting on a room for you. Um, We're not for sure exactly what's going on. um, On how to actually treat you for this. You've had a reaction. Now we're trying to figure out the symptoms and try to treat everything. So we're trying to monitor you as a whole. Um, And they're kind of really honest about it on not for sure on actually how to help me at the moment um which i like we appreciated but at the same time it's like that doesn't make you feel that great <laughs> right that you know i can't really see i can't i can't really speak well and i can't feel part of my body and you know my heart rate got awful and um i'm shaking like i'm having a seizure and um and then, like, these tremors, like, what you see with these tremors is nothing. This is nothing. Um, I have full-body tremors. Um, so this is nothing. And things kept progressively getting worse. And so by the time I got in a room, things were pretty bad. Um, my husband never really posted how bad things were. He, it was more of focusing on everything that was going on and getting my kids there. And yeah, that really wasn't happening. I didn't get to see my kids at all while I was there because of COVID um, and the protocols. And so if I actually would have fully died, I wouldn't have been able to see them. And that would have been heartbreaking. But it got even worse. So besides my symptoms and everything, they got me in a pretty good position where they got organs and everything start functioning again because they weren't. Um. And so within 24 hours after getting my organs back working, they gave me a medicine and it started shutting down some of my organs. Mm. And I was having a reaction to that medicine. And so <laughs> we, we kind of faced a lot of that. Um, and it was really touch and go for a while. Um, I ended up leaving in a wheelchair and having lots and lots of appointments. And not knowing for sure what to do after that or where to go. Um, it was a lot. 
I mean, I can go more into depth if you want more. Well, let's, I'm just, I mean, that gives a, a, I think a pretty clear picture of, you know, that next 24 hours. And I, and it is interesting. Cause like I said, before I asked that question, you, you are in a, a little bit of a different position than a lot of, of injured folks uh, from the vaccines have been and that yours was so immediate and right after that first shot. And of course you also are, it's, it's interesting to me because we, I, th I think that we were led to believe that people that were going to have issues with COVID, of course, were people with, you know, significant comorbidities, you know, obese people and elderly people and diabetic people and people with heart disease and yep. all these types of things. And, and of course, this wasn't a COVID, this wasn't COVID, this was the COVID jab, but uh, you were yep. clearly in excellent health and in great condition. Uh, you're not, can I ask how old you were at the time? So I just turned 40 and this, I got it November. My birthday was in December. Okay. So I turned, let's see. Yeah. So I was 38 at the time. 38. Yeah. So you're, you know, young, uh, for sure. When it comes to, you know, the age range that they were telling us was at highest risk and all this kind of stuff, you're a personal trainer, you're someone who's into nutrition and wellness. You're a nerf warrior, you're a kayaker, a hiker, all this kind of stuff. So no good reason to believe that you would be in any kind of a high risk category at all. And yet no. you had a massive you know, reaction to this. So we're, you're knocking on the door of two years you know, post uh, reaction, right? Yeah. This coming November. Sorry. And where, where would you say you're at now uh, in terms of your recovery versus, you know, where you were with the story you just told? So I've had progress, lots of progress. Um, I can speak clearly now. Um, I still have like vision issues lots. Um, I'm still hypersensitive. I still have gut issues for sure. I can eat. Um, sometimes I still don't eat every day. Uh, I'm still nausea meds. Um, my tremors have calmed down immensely like this, tremors and seizures, which is amazing. Um, I can feel my right leg almost completely. Um, it's not like the same sensation on my right arm. Like I touch my right arm, I can really, really feel it. I touch my left leg, I can feel it, but it's not full feeling. Okay. My left side, I this is I super excited. So this has actually happened within the last uh, two and a half, almost three months. I have random spots on my left side, of my body going all the way down that I can feel. It's it's amazing. Um, it started off with. Like my husband, he went to grab my legs, like to help me get into the bed, like okay. put them over and it hurt at my ankle where he was touching me. Like it hurt. It was this bad, awful pain. And I felt the pain, not just there, but like up my leg area. It was weird. I have a, a issue where my brain and nerves and everything doesn't connect properly from this as well. And it hurt. And he was like, what's the matter? What's the matter? And I was like, it hurts where you're grabbing me on my left side. He made this face and so he went to touching and I was like, it hurts there. And he was like, wait, you can feel there. And I wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking it hurt so bad. And so we got to thinking, I was like, oh my God, I can actually feel 
I, I was like really excited, but it was painful, but I was like super excited. So I was like, I can actually feel. Wow. Um, and so there's random spots and um, that I can feel. And I just did another round of muscle testing and it was a new doctor that came in and um, he was actually really shocked because, so he stabbed me by my ankle area and it hurt. Like I kind of whacked the wall because it hurt really bad. That needle's big. And so then my calf, like I have my leg kind of turned like this. So they stabbed this needle that's this long, literally, into my calf, and I'm just laying there, and he just is looking at me with his eyes huge, and he was like, you really cannot feel, and I was like, no, I can't, <laughs> and then, so he's like, well, I'm going to poke you again in a little, another spot on my calf, so he pokes me again, and he's just like, wow, and so then there's a spot on the outside of my knee I can feel. Um, and so he pokes over there, of course, and then he pokes on the other side of me. I can't feel it. And, um, so he's doing it and there's a few spots on my arm. And so he was kind of really in shock. And, um, he said, I'm his first person that he's actually met with that has actually had a true reaction because in my file, it literally says I've had a true severe adverse reaction to the Pfizer vaccine. So we chit-chatted, but um, that's been my huge news. I've been super excited about that. But, um, like, I can grab things. So me holding a cup, I can hold it in this hand, which I've worked very hard to be able to do this. But I can I can hold things in my left hand. I can't hold it for long. Mm. I mean, you can see it shakes. I can't hold it for long. But um, I couldn't do that. I couldn't grab things. I couldn't hold things. So how long have um, you been able to do okay. that? Um, so fully grabbing like that with my left hand, I've done really good. Let's see about April, the end of March, April, I could really so start to kind of hold it really good. Pretty for recent then. Yeah. We're interviewing in August. So that's yeah. just the last four months. That's crazy. And you are still uh, in a wheelchair. You're, you're, you're not able to, to walk even a little. Is that right? So I can use the walker okay. to kind of walk, but it's not, and it's only a few steps. It's not much. Okay. Um, I have a hard time trying to hold my body up. So me sitting up like this, I kind of, I have to lean back and stuff, but trying to hold my body up and stand up my legs to hold my weight. Um, it's hard. And to try to get them to correctly like pick up and move and walk. Um, it's hard. There's a huge disconnect between my brain and my body. Um, I have damage to my brain from this damage to my nerves, sensors. Um, my, one of my neurologists that does my movement and all that, my movement disorder doctor, she, um, has said that my progress is quite amazing though, because I'm, I really want it. I'm fighting for it. Um, but she's not for sure if I will actually ever fully walk on my own or not. Um, and they're not for sure if I'll actually get full filling back. They didn't expect I'd get filling back at all. And I am now. Um, so it's kind of like, we don't know, but I'm not just sitting around doing nothing. Like I'm here at the house and I want to stand up and so I will do it and I have fallen many times and my children will fuss at me too. Um, and my husband and other people that are around that help. 
Um, so I'm really trying extremely hard to try to get my body to remember, trying to get my brain and limbs to connect properly. Mm -hmm. So I've been working extremely hard. So to get up and to do that, even though it's not all the time is huge, like really huge. Um, it seems small to some people, but when you've worked this hard to just sit up like I'm doing now, it, it's, it's been a long journey, just almost two years. It's been a long journey just to get here, just to do that because, I still hit myself when I go to eat. I still stab myself. Um, I It took me a long time to be able to pull my hair up in a ponytail. I was really excited when I got to do it. I made a post about it. Um, it, it seems It's a simple thing, but people don't realize how hard it is to hold your arms up and, and then get your hands to hold it and then get your other hand to try to turn it and stuff. It, it's not easy. Or... Um, to hold a fork, just to, just to actually hold it and keep holding it and then try to use it and get the food and then try to get it to your mouth. All of that is extremely hard. People take it for granted. They really do. Yeah, well, it's uh, you don't I'm know what, what you've got until it's gone, right? Um, your attitude is clearly a big part of your ability to recover to the extent that you have. I'm curious about two questions. I'm going to ask them at the same time. Um, what are doctors telling you in terms of what they believe your recovery, you know, might be your, your prognosis, I guess. And then what do you believe is going to happen in terms of your recovery? Um, so when I went back in February, they were, the only thing that they kind of have told me is that they were thinking about maybe 15 to 18 months. They think my tremors might possibly be completely gone. That's the only time frame I've gotten for anything. Um, they run me constantly for rare cancers, metal poisonings, and different random rare stuff that shouldn't have to be ran for, but apparently people are getting from these vaccines constantly um when i ask about actually walking and stuff they they honestly tell me they honestly don't know Hmm. um i've been i'm a very brutally honest person and i act the same respect back with them and i told them at the beginning of this that i'm not here for any drugs i'd be happy not to have to be on any um, I prefer all natural and I will be fully involved step by step in everything. If I don't understand it, you're going to explain it to me. Um, and if you can't do that and you can't take the time to have those discussions with me, then I need a different doctor now. Um, I think that's been very beneficial um, because all of my doctors, actually, we have conversations every time we go in. They also message me on the app and check on me. I've had phone calls. Um any little change they want to know. But when it comes to me asking, like, I think are easy questions, you would think simple questions to get the answers of, will I actually be able to walk on my own? Will I get full feeling back? You know, um, am I going to get more heart damage? Like just basic random questions I think are basic. 
they don't have the answers for because they can care, compare them to other vaccine injured stuff. I've had one doctor that's new on our team. He said he's compared me to um, people who've had reactions to polio vaccines. And so he's trying to compare me to other people that have had other reactions to vaccines. Um, but initially they don't have a timeline to tell me when things will get better or when they'll get worse or, um, what do you believe? They kind of leave me in a stug. I am declaring that I will fully be healed and I will walk again and be able to fully function again. That's what I'm declaring. And I tell people all the time, I am healing daily and healing takes time. And you have to listen to your body and work with it. And I'm learning how to be a person that stops and takes naps and rests. Mm. And that's something I didn't do before. And it's lessons that I'm learning now um, that I told people to do before that I didn't do. And so I know that I will be healed at some point in time when I don't know. Is it going to just happen tomorrow? No. My body is healing and it takes time. And within the first six months, I couldn't eat. And now I can eat toddler-sized meals. Um, I couldn't speak <clears throat> like this. I couldn't sit up like this. Now I can do these things. I couldn't take those steps. I take steps now. Sometimes I don't. Um, I've done a lot of things that they told me I couldn't do or I wouldn't be able to do that I'm doing. And um, I'm happy to continue breaking every barrier that they think I can't do and won't be able to do. And um, that is definitely my goal is to sit here and be like, oh, you said I can't do that. Watch me. Watch me do it. You get to sit back and watch me. You get to be there on the ride knowing that you see me at the beginning and how bad it was. And now you'll get to see me do that. So that's, that's where I am. And on some days I use the word I've, I've not liked for forever is can't. I've always asked people not to you have that in the vocabulary, but I have it in mind because they're things I, I truly can't. Um, but on bad days, they're bad. And I cry a lot and um, I've not liked myself. And I've always been this very confident woman. And I went through a spell where I haven't liked myself. I haven't liked my body. Um, I've been trying to cope with the new me of having to have somebody help you get in the shower, having to have somebody help you bathe, having to have somebody always take you places, um, having to have somebody get your food and be taken care of like I'm a, a toddler and feel like I'm an invalid. When those are all natural feelings, but I would have never thought that I'd had that mindset or been in that place and felt so bad about my own self and kind of bashed my own self and my own reality. And But I've been there and I know that so many of us go through it, but we're not talking about it. And it's awful. It's awful to feel this way. And it's awful to 
you know, not want to love yourself the way you are and not want to go out in public because you feel so bad about the way you look and what your body's doing that you can't control it. And that's been my, I would say, one of my main struggles, even though all of this is a struggle, but without your mindset and when it goes to crap, it really does affect everything. Like it really, really does. And I have met people through this journey that were nowhere near as bad as I was, but I've only gotten to know them for a few months and then they've taken their lives all because of the mindset and nobody's talking about the psychology behind it. And uh, it needs to be talked about. Like it, it really does. There's too many people that are taking their lives because they're feeling the exact same things I'm feeling and we're not discussing it at all. And it needs to be. I brought it up. I was asked to speak at the Capitol. I didn't really talk about myself. I did a little bit because I was asked to, but I brought it up there because right before I was asked to talk, like two days before, I had a gentleman named Josh. I'd only known him for like four months who I talked to hours before he took his life. And it broke my heart because he was struggling, like really, really struggling. And it, nobody was talking about, I was the only one that was talking about how it felt. And he said that I was the first one that actually didn't bash him for feeling bad, didn't bash him for how he was feeling. The only person that told him that these feelings are okay. We're human and we're going to have these feelings. And Somebody shouldn't tell you that you can't have these and that it's wrong because it's not. You're literally going through the, pretty much the stages of grief. And that comes out in all different ways. And then I got to talk to him and then he took his life. And I got a call from his mother to tell me that she's found her own son there. And he had taken his life because he couldn't handle it because he was struggling too bad mentally. And I told Tim, I was like, I don't want to end up like that. I don't want my kids to, I don't want my kids to see me do something that I would never want to do because I'm struggling so bad on how I feel and because everything that's going on. And so that kind of flicked like a switch back for me to say, you know, this, you can't, you can't get it. You can't stay like this. You have to start talking about how you're feeling. And I would talk about things that I wasn't talking about, actually, how I was like really, truly. Um, so we are having some technical difficulties. If you've heard things get a little bit choppy, uh, we've had some audio drop out a couple of times. We just had the entire connection fail on us uh, uh, over the last couple of minutes. And so for as you're listening to this, we apologize for the technical difficulties. We'll try and make it as clean as we can uh, when we produce it. But one thing that we aim to do with this podcast, um, as we stated at the beginning of the podcast, is give you as unfiltered of a look and uncensored of a look at you know what vaccine injury really looks like uh, and the uh, you know the human cost of what's happened to so many people. And uh, so this will be as unedited as possible, but we will try to get it um, a, a good recording for you so that you can uh, so that the story flows a little bit. So I've got Elizabeth back, and I want to just ask one last question before I let you go, Elizabeth, and that is um, you're here on the Dearly Discarded podcast. You're, uh, you know, again, almost two years uh, 
post-injury, you're still struggling clearly uh, with a lot of the emotional and physical challenges, and yet you have made major strides from where you were. You've declared, and I agree with your declaration, that you will fully recover. I believe that uh, to be the case myself, and I'm, I'm absolutely not just saying that. So then the question I have is, why did you decide you wanted to get your voice heard uh, and uh, share this story? Why do you think this matters? Well, I think everybody's story matters. We're all, all of, our, all of us matter. All of our stories matter. Um, but I think for me, you can see like a whole different walk with me. Well, rolling with me. Um, and I want people who <laughs> are in the place where they're wanting to give up to possibly help them not give up, not take away their lives because your life is precious. Every bit of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, you need to think of it as we are all broken, 100% beautifully broken. And if you change your outlook on how you see yourself and life and look at it from all different ways, your whole life will change. And I've always been called to help. My heart is led to help others. And at points, I feel like I'm letting down myself um, by not helping people. Um, I've got a lot of ridicule for not speaking out sooner and not explaining more sooner, not sharing enough sooner, but I wasn't ready. I've been trying to heal mentally and working on physically, and that's okay. And I'm in a better place mentally to be able to really share and be okay with crying and sharing the ugly and talking about just how bad it has gotten. And we need that. We need people to understand that it is a mental struggle, 100% a mental struggle. It is hard as hell, hard as hell. And if somebody tells you different, they're lying. Um, and I'm here to be transparent and let you know this, this, this shit is a trial from hell and it's okay to say you're, you don't want to do it. It's okay to say that I can't today. And the best thing I could do today was sit up in bed and be up and literally just cry. I want people to know that these things are okay. It's okay to have these emotions. It's okay to truly struggle and you shouldn't have to feel judged by that. And the people that are judging are the ones that are lying to themselves because we all feel these feelings and we're all have emotions and we would have less suicide and less people getting high if not just for the vaccine injured, but just as humankind, if we would be willing to sit here and, and know that people have feelings and that we need to be there for each other. Somebody get sick, get off your ass and go help them. I don't care if you're just sharing it. Pick up the phone, go to their house, give them a hug. Don't judge them. Let them just say what they got to say. I don't care if they're yelling and screaming. Let them get it out because that's what needs to happen. People need to be able to vent and not be judged. And it's all of us, all of us as a whole, not just people that are injured, not just to stay with people, not people that are going through cancer, but every day in life. And I want to be able to take what I've experienced and come out here and be able to help other people and help guide them 
and help with their lessons and help be that support, help be that person that lifts them up and know that it's okay and know that you can get through this and that even though everything's changed for you, it doesn't mean your life's over. You're still breathing. There's breath in your body. You can still do so much, so much. It's all about changing your mindset and having people in your circle like me and others who are willing to be there for each other and love on each other and lift each other up. And that is one of my main goals. I Obviously, I want to get help for myself as well. Um, but no matter what, while I'm going through this, I still want to be able to help others. And I still want to be there for others. And yes, we need support, not just me, but other vaccine injured. And yes, we need money for treatments. Yes, we do 100%. My son is home from college and he shouldn't have to be to come and help me. He shouldn't have to be. I don't have the money to send him back to school because it's gone. We've had to pay for everything. I don't work. I haven't worked in two years. And my husband lost his job helping take care of me. And that's the reality. It's ugly truth. But now I'm fighting to try to find a way to get him back into college because I don't want him here because that makes me feel like absolute crap. But at the same time, like an amazing mom to know that he came home to help me. But then... You know, my kids suffer. They have emotions. My husband has emotions. We're not talking about any of that as well. All that needs to be addressed. And we need to start coming together and realizing that we need to help each other and help each other's families. And we need to be there to support each other. And that's one of my hugest things is that support. Support on many levels is what needs to be done and heard. And I'm really hoping that part of my story will inspire people to get out here and to support other people. And I don't care if you can't do it financially. Get out here and actually emotionally support people. That's what they need. That's what they truly need is that support. So I really hope it encourages people. And I'm thankful that you do these podcasts. And it helps people like me and other injured. And it helps spread the word. And it can help encourage and inspire people. So I'm truly grateful that I've been able to come on your podcast and share a little insight into my life and what's going on. I'm very thankful for what you're doing. I truly am. Well, I appreciate you having the uh, courage to get on and tell your story. I know it's not an easy story to tell. Clearly, it comes with all kinds of emotion as it, sh- as it should. Uh, and, and those who are listening, I believe will be strengthened by your message and by your, um, your obvious, uh, desire and belief, uh, that you will recover from this. So thank you so much for your message. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, go to the show description, click on the link to react 19. It is one of the best ways that you can help those who've been, um, injured and the families of those who've been injured by these uh, COVID-19 vaccines, react19.org, a fantastic organization um, that is run by the injured for the injured without any desire for profit, but just to help their fellow man, much like what Liz has just uh, shared with you. So um, with that, Liz, unless you have anything else that you'd like to share, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode uh, just saying once again, thank you so much for um, your ability and willingness to um, share your message today. Thank you so much. All right. So uh, that was yet another amazing soul. 
an amazing woman, uh, Elizabeth Tucker, uh, talking about her uh, vaccine injury story. Um, if this has moved you, share this episode with family, friends, uh, strangers, put it all over social media. Let's get these voices heard. They need to be heard. They've been silenced long enough. And uh, if you'd like to help, go to react19.org. Thank you so much for joining us again on another episode of the Dearly Discarded Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. We encourage you to help break through the silence and share this episode with your friends and family. It's time for these stories to not only be told, but to be heard. For more information, head to react19.org and dearlydiscardedpod.com. The Dearly Discarded Podcast is produced by Jared St. Clair and Michaela Hyde with support from React 19. We'll be back next week with another true story from one who lives it. Until then, join us on Team Humanity. Keep an open mind, seek the truth, and share these stories. Most of all, open your mouth. Silence won't change anything. React 19 needs your support. We're a grassroots nonprofit created by the COVID vaccine injured for the COVID vaccine injured. React 19 provides physical support through scientific research and physician referrals, financial support to those most in need for uncovered medical expenses, and emotional support by growing a community that's focused on compassionate advocacy, hope, fellowship, and improving lives. We can only do these things with your support. Your donation is tax deductible and any amount is greatly appreciated. You can also sign up for automatic monthly donations. The vaccine injured have been marginalized, censored, and discarded, but they have not been broken. Help them rise to the challenge today. Visit react19.org for more information or simply text the word REACT to 50155 and donate via text. 